welcome to Tape to Tape, powered by the new Ram 1500 Sport, built exclusively for Canadians. Rory, I've always got my laptop up during Tape to Tape, but I am just hammering the refresh button on Twitter here to see if we get any breaking news to talk about. It is that time of year. We are, of course, talking about the trades, the trade deadline. We're going to bring Justin Bourne in here from Hockey Central at noon. He's going to be chatting about the Leafs and the Canadian teams where he sees those teams going and anything that has caught his eye league-wide. But I want to start with you. The first portion of the trades here, what pops out to you in terms of the moves we've already seen? Well, I think it's obvious that the defense market has been set. There, there are still defensemen available. It's not done and over with yet, but we know generally what the prices are going to be. We've seen five blue liners traded this week, and four of them are rentals. So basically, if you're trying to get one of these top four rental defensemen, it looks like the price is going to be uh, a second rounder plus, depending on who it is. Alec Martinez was the guy with Didn't extra year. Did you think they get more for Martinez? I did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When you look at what like Brendan Dillon went for, and he's a UFA this summer. I mean, it was kind of comparable. Uh, a little bit more for Martinez, but I thought maybe they could get at least a prospect who's a year or two into yeah. his development or something like that. But look at how many picks they have in the next couple of years on Cat Friendly. They're just really taking the long term here and setting themselves up. Uh, kind of the way Ottawa is and for a, a long-term build. And maybe that's just all they could get, but I was a little surprised they didn't also get a, a prospect on top of that because Martinez is going to go to Vegas and just be a, a fantastic top four guy. You know, maybe the fact that he's a left shot, not a right shot sure. is, is playing into that value a little bit, but there are so many teams out there that could use exactly what Martinez was. I just thought the market... Um, would drive up that price more than it ended up being. Two seconds is is very manageable for the Golden Knights. So what about some of the other guys who've moved and some of the other D-men who remain out there? The Minnesota guys who are kind of their own kettle of fish because we'll see and they would be very high asking price. I mean, you've got a Vatanen who's dinged up. Yep. He's a right shot guy. Yep. Um, Eric Gustafson is an, an expiring in Chicago. Yep. Um, anyone really pop to you? I mean, I think Gustafson goes. Um, I mean, he he's a little odd in that, you know, usually these teams are looking for someone to be a defensive guy, right? Yeah. To shore it up. And Gustafson is more of a forward rover than he is a defenseman. So I don't know where he's going to fit in necessarily. There's got to be, there's got to be more than one team out there that could use help on the power play, for example. And that's, that's where Gustafson might be able to fit in well. And I would think that they would be able to get at least a second round pick back for someone like that. The the wild guys are very interesting because on, on one hand, they're still kind of in the playoff hunt. They're five points back, which is a lot, but game in hand. So, you know, Bill Guerin has shown in his year as GM that he's not going to rush into anything. He doesn't feel an urgency to kind of tear it down. Both of those guys have term, especially Dumba. If either of them gets traded, that's probably going to be the defenseman who brings back the greatest return because of how good they are and how long that they're signed for. But it just kind of, uh, it seems more like a summer trade to me. I doubt both of them get moved up by the trade deadline. It seems like someone would really have to pay up right now for that to happen before the Monday deadline. So the other defenseman who would return a ton is Jeff Petrie, Montreal, yeah. but probably also doesn't feel like he's going anywhere. I mean, they, if they I had to lay nickel, year. 
Petrie, Brodine, and Dumber are all going to, they're not going to need a change of address, I don't think, in the next two weeks. No, I, I would week, say it's, I it's unlikely, but if I was to rank them, I mean, I might put Brodine number yeah. one as the most likely, and then Dumba, and I just don't see Petrie getting moved, even though Montreal is further out of the playoffs than Minnesota is. But Montreal, Bergevin, this is his eighth season as GM. Like, he can't go next year and miss the playoffs, you would think, and still have a job. So... He, I think, would have an interest in coming back next year trying to make the playoffs just for his job security alone. So the fact that Petrie's still signed under contract next year, maybe you can get him signed beyond that. It's hard for me to see how they could trade him right now. He would bring back a good return for sure, but more futures that Bershavan might not be around to enjoy the fruits of. So one of the teams that would love to get its hands on a defenseman is the Florida Panthers. Your Panthers, and yeah. they are kind of... One of a few clubs that are serious wild cards out yeah. there. Like, oh, yeah. there's not much that would really surprise you. It doesn't feel like anything's off the table for Florida and a couple other teams. Obviously, signing Sergei Bobrovsky last uh, summer was a move, and hiring Joel Quenville, by the way, was a move to, we are pushing this thing forward, and we're doing it now. Um, and Bobrovsky's been mixed reviews, I think, uh, to this point, although maybe he's coming around now. But I think... You look at this team today as we record on Thursday, they are in third place in the Atlantic ahead of the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's, that's going to be a battle till the end. They need the same thing Toronto does, which is a top four blue liner. And they have way more assets that they could possibly move. I mean, there are prospects like Alexei Hepaniemi. They have their own first round pick, which Toronto doesn't. And then you've seen actual roster players that are that keep popping up in, in trade rumors. Mike Matheson, defenseman signed long-term. Vincent Trocek, who had a serious injury last year, and he just hasn't been the same player uh, since then. Uh, and then a couple of UFA forwards, Mike Hoffman, Evgeny Dadanov, both are really, really good players. So it would be hard for Florida, while they're moving for the playoffs, to trade either one of them. I think Hoffman is far more likely of those two uh, to get moved. But again, teams are needing scoring wingers, which is exactly what Hoffman will, will give you. Maybe you can move him and get the top four defenseman back, at least a rental that you need. Or is Florida just going to come out of left field and make a huge trade involving more than one of those guys and sure. a first round pick or prospect or something to really bring back something. And that's where you wonder if maybe that's the team that can accomplish the Matt Dumba, Jonas Brodeen trade and really shake things up. Because like I said, they, there's just so many possibilities of things they can do. They have the coach. And I mean, Dale Talon has is, is made a lot of big moves in his time as GM um, going back to Chicago. So I don't think anything is really off the table right there. Any other teams that really could go like nothing would surprise you? Joe Sackick, GM of Colorado, talked to the media last night and he really doesn't say much other than he's in the market for a, a depth goalie, which isn't going to move the needle. But I mean, again, that's a team with all sorts of assets. They've been playing the long game here for a while. Um, they've been hit by injuries a little bit, although Sackick said that's not going to change his approach to the deadline because all those guys should be back uh, by the playoffs. But Outside of uh, New Jersey and Los Angeles, Colorado has more cap space than every other team, and they are firmly in that <laughs> right elite there. cup it's contender crazy. category, right? So, uh, again, like it sounded like they were trying to get Taylor Hall and just weren't willing to pay that price, but you know maybe they're a team that's in on Chris Kreider. Like they could do just anything. You, you know they want to add a goalie. Could they add a blue liner? Could they add a top six forward? Like they literally could be in the market for just about anything out there. Well, I'll tell you what they're not doing. 
They're not trading for Carey Price because video producer <laughs> Drew says that guy's a bum. He's washed up at 32 washed years old. Up. So scratch that. Forget all the beautiful historical washed symmetry there up. with Patrick Wall once upon a Strong time. Words. Stop dreaming. All right, stick around. <laughs> Tons more to come on Tape to Tape, including Justin Bourne from Hockey Central at noon. Down the left flank, Canadian is in. Coming down, looking for the man open. He gains it, and Super gets his first goal in a Penguin uniform. Set up by Sir Sidney, and the Penguins make it two to nothing. It's time to buy new shoes. Jason Super. Let's get a fight point. It's Justin Schultz. Now to the right side to Hunkos. Over to Corby in front. Super knocks it in. Right in front. Super gets the Penguins a three nothing lead. Set up by, you guessed it, Sidney Crosby with a pinpoint pass to give the Penguins a power play goal. Hey, if you're listening to this podcast, there's a very good chance you are into fantasy hockey. If that is the case, don't forget to sign up for the Sportsnet Fantasy Pool presented by Ram. Just go to sportsnet.ca forward slash Ram and get cash prizes totaling 50 grand. And the grand prize, the best of all, a 2020 Ram 1500 Sport. Rory, there's not a 1500 Sport up for grabs in our <laughs> Keeper League, but I may have messed up. Top four guys finishing the money. Mm-hmm. So first year in the league, I would at win my entry Somehow you're winning yeah, in your I, first year I in the league. I am the Vegas of this league. <laughs> I've been like three, four, five. I'm five right now. The guy who's going to win the league, we should actually, before this is over, just show his roster. It's like, it's ha- crazy. how did this happen? Yeah. It's outrageous. <laughs> We're all playing for second. He offered up, because he has so many good wingers, Jason Zucker, after he was traded, he offered him to me for a fourth. And I've already traded one draft pick. We started with four draft picks. We have a four-round draft. I've already traded my first. I had three draft picks left. Kind of blew some of my powder, and I was like, you know what? I'm good at wing. I just picked up Yamamoto. That's paying off. Fiala's paying off for me. I feel pretty good. The next day I made a trade and acquired two more draft picks and was like, you know what? Maybe I'll go back to the guy. But it just felt shameful to be like, hey, it was after Zucker scored two goals on his first night. I was like, I'm going to look like too much of a clown. But then he put him (laughs) back up for the whole league. Anyone want him, you can have him for a fourth. The guy right in front of me snatched him up and I was instantly like, this is why I'm not a GM. I should have just traded for him to keep him away from everyone else. You should have been like Yarmo Kekalainen at last year's trade deadline. Just, just give, a, give me win. I'm trying to win. I'm doing my best. Don't care about my draft picks. Don't care about my futures right now. Give me the player. <laughs> so what other wingers catch your eye? I mean, Elliot Friedman on the 31 Thoughts pod was talking about maybe Shiri going back sure. to Pittsburgh. There's a few guys out there who seem like they could help you down the stretch? Well, I mean, Kreider is the big one, right? I mean, he's... It feels like he either re-signs with the Rangers or gets traded to Boston. Those that, are the that's two what things. it feels like. Yeah. yeah, and Boston, like, they've kind of missed out on a couple of other guys that they were interested in, and it just seems like, I mean, if the, the other teams around them have made their move and they still have the assets left that they are willing to move in a trade, then maybe Kreider's the guy. But there is still that probably small chance that the Rangers get him signed, which would really take a crap on trade deadline day, I think. Sure, he's, a little bit. The basic, he's the biggest trade uh, rental available anyway. So he's the one um, I think I'm looking at the most. And then going back to, to Hoffman, 
Um, I mean, he was even potentially available last year when Florida really wasn't in, in right. the playoff race, but just seems like he plays a lot on their third line. So he seems very expendable uh, and scores a ton of goals on the power play. So it just seems like that that's a kind of guy who would be of interest um, around the lake. I love, I have to say, I love the Tyler Toffoli trade um, to Vancouver because that kind of is Kekalainen-esque. Not, it's not the same because... Vancouver's got a window that seems to be opening where in the moment, anyways, Columbus looked like they were all in for one year. Um, But, you know, a lot of people still look at Vancouver as a team that maybe should be cautious because are you really there yet? How much is Toffoli going to push you over? Are are we talking about best case scenario, you win one round? I don't think anybody's saying this team is going to win the Stanley Cup. But I love, and I said this last year about Columbus, I mean, I love GMs and teams that just say, whatever, we're trying to win. And it wasn't, it didn't come at an enormous cost, I didn't think. And, you know, especially after we learned shortly after that trade that Brock Besser was out for an extended period, Josh Levo at, at the same time. So you, you need wingers. And that division is so tight. Yeah. Really, there's still a chance you miss the playoffs if you there don't do is, anything. But let me throw this at you. We've been running uh, Canadian team previews all week on sportsnet.ca. I did the Jets. You know, the Jets have been a bubble team all year. I'm sitting there thinking, you know, how much can they justify really buying? They've obviously picked up DeMello. But if you get in that Pacific Division draw, Mm -hmm. all those teams, Edmonton, Calgary, Winnipeg, if Winnipeg ends up in the second wild card, I mean, all those teams are more or less the same. Maybe Vegas now is a little better, but you're going to be playing teams for two rounds that are your caliber. Then what if you get to the conference final and you're playing a Blues team, let's say, sure. that got the tar beaten out of it for two rounds, went won the cup final last year, mm-hmm. and just runs out of gas? You know what yep. I mean? Like, you can kind of talk yourself into it. Yeah, and we've seen a stretch, specifically at the beginning of the year, where Connor Hellebuck was incredible. Yeah. And he seems to be coming back a little bit. So all you really need is base is for him to find that a month, again for a, a month, month of great goaltending Vancouver absolutely. has a great goaltender you know like yeah, same thing they've sure. got to be thinking based on the teams we we would be playing yeah they're more or less the same as us and so I thought that's why that was a good trade because as long as you're not like moving a first round pick or a Jack Roslovich for a for a rental Winnipeg's not in that market like they have been the last two years just like Nibble around the edges to help your team. Show them that you're giving them support in areas that are needed, but not anything that you need to break the bank for. Um, guys that can play minutes, guys that can step into the lineup when injuries inevitably hit here at some point. Um, and then that's all you really need to do because you just need to make the trades to get yourself into the playoffs. Because, I mean, we say this all the time, but it's very true that you just need to get in and with a hot goalie like they can have in Hellebuck, literally anything can happen. And to your point... I mean, that Pacific Division, if if Winnipeg gets in the first round and they're playing uh, the Vancouver Canucks, I think Vancouver is probably the favorite, but it's a coin really flip. by how much? It's a coin flip. Yeah. Winnipeg, coin that's flip. the other thing. You look at Vancouver, I mean, it's been a while since they, it's been two or three years, I guess, since they've made the playoffs. That's still a young team that's got to find his way. You think back to Toronto, the first year they made the playoffs, nobody was expecting them to beat Washington and all that. Vancouver's at that stage where it's maybe you got to lose first to win, whereas Winnipeg has lost a couple of times. Yeah. So they might be better prepared uh, for the challenges of the playoffs and, and for all of the, the pressure and everything that comes with it. 
especially as an underdog. Vancouver will be doing that as a favorite. So they might actually, there might actually be reason to believe Winnipeg should be a favorite in that situation. Well, if anyone knows anything about lightning in a bottle teams, it's the Jets. They saw Vegas yep. in the West Final eliminated in 2018 and the St. Louis team yep. that won the Stanley Cup. So there you go. I still say Roslovic for Subban. Two years control after this for Subban. <laughs> still a good player. Jersey eats like, get it down to seven per year. Done. All right. We're going to talk to Justin Bourne. When we come back, get his thoughts on the Leafs and the other Canadian teams right here on Tape to Tape. In the Metropolitan Division, one point ahead of Washington with a game at hand. Penguins win it over the Leafs, 5-2. Everyone's got to take a look in the mirror and we've got to be better. You know, that's unacceptable. We got to find the urgency, the passion, the you know, the love of the game, the love to compete for each other. All that needs to come. Uh, I don't know why it's not there. Um, you know, I think I think there's sometimes we, like I've touched on earlier, when we struggle, we want the easy game, and when you play good teams, it's not going to be easy. Hey, time now for our overtime segment, brought to you by Subway. No joke, Subway now delivers. Joining us for overtime this week, you've seen him on the Tape to Tape pod before. It is Justin Bourne. Justin, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. You're never going to believe this. We're going to talk trades in Toronto Maple Leafs. So <laughs> I figure this will be right coming. up your alley. Um, before we get to a little inside intel you've got on a deal the Leafs already made, I actually just want to start big picture. So the Leafs, by the time people are hearing this, they will have played Pittsburgh tonight at home, but... Where are you at with this team? Because I was saying to these guys, it feels like this is like the fifth time this season where you think, if they lose tonight, it's going to get hot in there. Do you come down more on the side of, they're going to figure it out, there's way too much talent, or are you starting to look at this and go, you know, something just isn't right, coupled with bad injury luck, I just don't know where this is going? Yeah, I, I like to think that I've been pretty rational about the Leafs throughout the roller coaster and been generally been like... You're the one. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. But I've generally felt like that this is a very good team, and over the course of 82 games, that tends to sort itself out. I would say today is probably the the farthest I've felt from that. Yeah. Where I've been like, yes, the injury luck has been bad. Yes, the goaltending has been questionable enough in spots. Everything has kind of fallen in a way that has put them in a tough situation. And now it's getting tough to see a way out of it. Like even if they end up, you know, scrapping to playoffs, like, okay, so they're done April 14th instead of April 4th. Like it doesn't yeah. seem to me like a team that I thought would contend, um, you know, for the Stanley Cup this year, or this would be sort of the start of the window. I will say every time this team has been up against it, they've shown life. Like every time we've counted them out, right? Yeah. Like well, that's the thing. I feel like we've had all these points where it's like, ah, uh, they did it. They yeah. got it together. And then a week later, we're like, oh my God, they're about to lose four straight again. Yeah. And that was Keefe even mentioned that in like his, his press conference after last game where he said, I guess this is the route we want to take where we like embarrass ourselves till we look in the mirror, then we bounce back. I, I've been using the uh, example of the all-star break where going into that, they had a terrible defeat and it was like, what is this team? Are they there? Then they come out and they beat Dallas on the road. They beat Nashville on the road. They come back and beat Ottawa. And it was like, all right, that's the team. And then every time you start feeling good, they let off the pedal and we see this sort of stuff again. So um, we'll see if they have another uh, pushback tonight. Now, jumping off that, when they've made these bounce backs this season, it's come at, obviously, earlier stages where there's there's still a lot of road left. Right. Does, does, 
does it change when you can see the end of the season? Like I imagine the pressure is ramping up. Is it, does that make it, you know, more challenging to just, Oh, we'll get over this and figure it out. Like we have before. For sure. And it just makes it harder to excuse it away and just say, ah, well, they'll get it sorted. You know, big, big picture, big sample. Mm -hmm. Sample's not big anymore. Yeah. 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 Basically. Yeah. So, so definitely the, the time of the season changes things. I, I tweeted something, um, I guess by the time this is out, it'll be yesterday, but, uh, Mm -hmm. to the effect of, I think tonight as in last night will be, it'll, we'll learn so much about this Toronto Maple Leafs team. Like this to me is a moment where the spotlight's on them. You're still playing that same very good team. You're at home. Um, is there pulse in this team? Is there that fight? If they, if it doesn't happen against the Penguins in the second of this back to back, uh, I'm concerned about the the rest of the season for sure. So one move that probably isn't going to have an enormous impact on things. We'll see, but a bizarre move because they're competing with the Florida Panthers for third place in the Atlantic. They swap Mason Marchment for Dennis Melgan. Um, what do you know about Malgan? Rory was saying before we got rolling, he thinks he's a pretty good little player. And what did you see during your time working with the Marlies uh, from Marchman? Yeah, the, so the Malgan thing is interesting. We were just saying before, like, imagine he scores the winner against yeah. Florida. Like, <laughs> so to me, it kind of says that Florida is like, we don't think this guy's very good. You'd have you to be real have confident, him, right? To be right. like, we'll give him to the team where <laughs> yeah. we're competing. Yeah. yeah. So that's a bit of a slap in the face, but. Um, you know, I know that they've liked him for a long time. With the Marlies, I would get the scouting reports of the teams we would play from Kyle Dubas in the American League. So um, Mulligan was on Springfield. So, I, you know, I have what Dubas would have written about him. He's liked him for a long time. Hmm. Had a lot of good things to say about him even then. Um, but what's interesting is with the acquisition of Mulligan is, is, is what they did with Mason Marchment. So Marchment was a guy who, undrafted player, that the Leafs saw... I think he was a point-per-game guy in junior and an older guy, and they just gave him a chance as an undrafted player to come to camp and see what they could do with him. And he had two things. He could run guys over as a very tall guy, and he had amazing hands. But physically, he was built like he was just like a boy still, you know, very wiry and lean and no muscle on a very big frame, even though he played a physical game. So I think it was my second year with the Marlies. He made the team, the AHL team, but he wasn't on the AHL team. He was just, we kept him around. So he practiced with the team. He did extra skill sessions with the skills coaches before and after practice. He worked out on his own separately from the team. He was a part of an AHL program with all the accoutrement that comes with being a Toronto Maple Leaf prospect, but he wasn't ready to play at the Hmm. AHL level. So they worked him until about almost Christmas. Then they sent him down to the East Coast League and started playing games with a more muscly, bigger frame and more hands. And they kind of took a non-prospect, a non-NHL prospect and they just turned him into a guy in Malgan who has played 180 NHL games yeah. and can play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, that sounds like an upgrade. To yeah, to me. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's the move they've made and obviously Jack Campbell and Clifford previously. What sense do you get in terms of where this might go as we approach the deadline for Toronto? I just, you know, in, in talking about what we're just saying, like it feels harder to believe that this ends, you know, at a timeline later than mid-April. I can't see them picking up a rental. I just mm-hmm. I can't imagine sacrificing an asset for this season the way it looks right now. Maybe, you know, what happened against Pittsburgh last night will change my mind entirely. But um so what I can see happening is them seeing a team that needs a shakeup and they need something different. And I'm talking about Matt Dumba specifically, like someone who has term, who fills a need, who changes up what the core of this team really looks like, maybe at the you know the, the cost of a Kapanen or something like that. I can see something bigger like that happening. I can't see them just saying, hey, we added Chris Kreider for picks and prospects and then Kreider's gone. Like something yeah. like that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Now, I know trades usually take 
time to figure out and when the GMs are are planning out the deadline what they do like you're not just making a decision based off of a game that happened last night but again recording this Thursday before we know the result of this Pittsburgh game do you think the approach or what they might be open to do changes if they say win these next two games and look really good versus if they show zero life against the Penguins drop another one on Saturday night I know it's a big picture thing but does that change their approach at all? I think it does. I think I honestly think we're at a point in the season where this small sample is a, an important sample. And I don't even mean in terms of wins and losses. Like you just want to see that this core has it within them that find that passion, that push. Um, you know, and, you know, Dubas gets this uh, reputation as being the stats guy and, you know, push the glasses up your nose and look at the spreadsheets and make your decisions. It's not like that, <laughs> you know, but he would generally, you know, he'd value the big sample, but he's still a hockey guy. And as a hockey guy, I really feel like going into this crucial part of the season before the trade deadline, I mean, I, I just want to see it. And even if it's, as I said, not wins and losses, I want to know that there's anger and frustration and desperation and that these aren't guys aren't just cashing the paychecks that they've earned and, and, and moving on to the next night. I think the knock that they get probably most is not enough grit and sandpaper and all that stuff. What does that mean to you? Well, you know, when, when Dubas did an interview with Ron McLean earlier mm-hmm. this year, he said, you know, we want to be the guy. I'm actually, I'm thinking of last night, Boston, one of their players got hit and like three guys swarmed in and jumped in, you know, got into the mix with whoever was it through the hit. That's what Dubas was ref- referencing to McLean that he wanted to see from his guys where no one's going to drop the gloves and beat anyone up. That's not this team, but he wanted to see team support for yeah. one another. You can still put your palm in someone's face, sure. right? Yeah. yeah. Smelled my Rawlings. Yeah. So I think he wants to see that a little bit. And so the team toughness is one thing, but to me, it's the fire that they want to win. And I know everyone wants to win, but you yeah. don't get the sense like a Sidney Crosby that there's a lot of hatred to lose. Yeah. And I, and I, I just, I don't know. It feels like it's lacking sometimes. And and I think that's another part of team toughness is just that like passion to get in there and just make it happen, even when it doesn't look like it's easy. That doesn't seem like something you can really fix at the deadline. It does not. It comes from within. It actually is a major problem if it's not there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's just the reality of this core. (laughs) So looking around then at some of the other Canadian teams, Vancouver's already made the move for Toffoli. Rory's a big fan of pushing in if you think he got any chance. Yep. Do you come down on that side or do you feel like it was a jump the gun move a little bit for Vancouver? I think it's a, is that the Daryl Morey school of thinking? Have you read his theories? Like five, you have a 5% chance of thinking of winning. He thinks you should push your chips it. in. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, you know, you have, cause you look at the Raptors and it's like, it's things true. can break your way that, you know, that Kawhi shot can get the bounces and some guys in golden state can get hurt and things can just kind of work out. Especially yeah. in the Pacific division where five teams are basically equal. Yeah. So, you know, you say, okay, the Pacific division is soft. You're as good as those teams right now. If you, you know, you get it to Foley and suddenly you're better and you can beat them and win two rounds. By the time you get to the third round, who knows who's hurt on the other teams and who knows what things look like at that yeah. point. You never know. So I do support taking a crack and and I, you know, when you have it. And also I think it helps your young players yeah. play in those big moments and big games and develop and it makes them better players. Um, we had uh, Kevin Shoveldayoff off yesterday who said that he thought Mark Shifley losing, uh, they got swept by Anaheim in like 2017. Um, helped them in 2018 because Shifley had a, a taste of what playoff hockey yeah. was, and he, he thought that kind of turned him into a beast in their run to the conference final in 2018. What do you think a team like Edmonton should do? Like uh, Vancouver, you know, took that bit of a risk, but they seem to be 
like stabilized a little bit better than Edmonton is really mm-hmm. top heavy. Um, I know Holland has talked about not wanting to move like a first rounder or Jesse Pugliarvi for a rental player, but like what, what kind of players do you think a team in their situation should be on the deadline? Yeah, I'm torn on the Oilers. I really They're am. Tough. And I yeah. think they, they probably are too. Like, you know, I, I'm looking at the Pittsburgh Penguins say, all right, we got Crosby and Malkin, so we're pushing our chips in. We're getting Jason Zucker. Who cares about the future? Yep. If you're Boston, it's Bergeron and Marchand and Chara. It's like now or never. Go yeah. get Chris Kreider. I do not care about your first-round pick. For the Oilers, like McDavid and Dreisaitl are still young. Mm-hmm. The team's not that great around them, but good enough, yep. certainly in that Pacific division, that again, like Vancouver, you could maybe do something. Mm-hmm. So I think Holland doesn't want to come in there and sacrifice the future right now, and he wants to show that he's patient, but it is just so tempting, you it know, is, with those other yeah. teams looking weak in a soft division to be like, ah, yeah. fine, we'll do it. So <laughs> it, it, I'm I'm very interested to follow what the Oilers decide to do. So, I mean, Ottawa's a clear seller, obviously. I mean, Calgary, same thing. Pacific Division, we'll see. Montreal's a bit of a wild card, and there's a few wild cards that teams out there, teams that maybe aren't in it this year, but want to be next year, or teams that maybe just don't love the mix they have right now, but they are in it, like the Florida Panthers we mentioned, Melgan. It feels like the Panthers are kind of a team to keep an eye on over the, the next few days here because there's not a lot that seems beyond the realm of possibility with them. I feel like the, the Panthers hate themselves. <laughs> like, like they, have, they have like so much talent and they're like, I don't know, like let's get the uh, Hall of Fame coach who just won cups. Yeah. They get them and they still like, they're kind of up and down. I know they've won a couple now and they've caught up to Toronto, mm-hmm. but like it just seems like they should be better. Yep. And then you hear that maybe they want to trade Mike Hoffman and maybe they want to trade Vincent Trocheck, And, you know, it just feels like they, they're not content with what they've got so yeah they're they're fascinating to watch you know i, I think of the uh, st louis blues teams that traded um stastny yep. and shattenkirk while they had chances yeah. to compete yeah and very just said, rare but it, yeah. yeah and it didn't pan out until it did yeah you know and so that that that's an interesting situation if you're florida where you say you know how how much farther ahead can we get ourselves if we just say maybe this isn't our year uh, wouldn't Leafs fans love that and the oh, panthers yeah. just say hey you know what we're gonna Shift our focus down the road. I, I don't know if it would be they would trade Hoffman or any of these other guys for like futures. Like would they would be throwing it? I I can only imagine they've got to get to the playoffs to make money and show that they can That's sell tickets point, and everything. Yeah. Like I would can only imagine that they would only trade a Hoffman if they're getting a defenseman back to actually help them this season yeah. and next year maybe. He's a rental, so maybe not. But somebody needs a Mike Hoffman. Yeah. Everybody needs sure. a Mike Hoffman, right? And if you can get a defenseman, that, that's what I'm kind of thinking Florida maybe does. Yeah. But there just seems to be a lot on the table yeah. with that team. Yeah, and Hoffman's an interesting guy. I feel like you would have to watch hit the teams he's on to really understand him because he does a lot of things that are really good, but it doesn't seem like he's helping a lot of teams win. I don't know. They don't seem to find him a part of their core. Right. Yeah, he's just disposable, sure. So, they, yeah, that, that is an interesting knock on him. And But he does have you know that power play bomb. Oh, yeah. You know, could he be a fit with an Oilers or someone like that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, very interesting to see what Florida decides here. Do you like this time of year? Are you ready for the madness here the next three days? Well, it, you know, this is my first year yeah. at Sportsnet during this, and I everyone is, like, not pleased with the deals happening already. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the trades happening before deadline day is yeah. not – it's subpar. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I love it personally. Um I feel like I'm far enough removed from the players that I, I get to root for a million trades. Yes. I feel like if you're like closer to guys, you understand how much it hurts yeah. them and all that. So I try to just put blinders on and be like, hey, <laughs> I, I do enjoy it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it does tend to be fun. And I find no matter every year there's the angst over, oh, my God, what are we going to talk about for eight hours? 
you know what? You yeah. fire, fire up some B-roll, talk about some of the trades that already happened. Yeah. Inevitably, it's okay. Yeah, here's Marco Scandella's last 11 shifts. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Enjoy. All right. Well, thanks so much for taking time in this busy time to join us, pal. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. That is Justin Bourne. You can catch him at Hockey Central at noon. Make sure you're tuning in to all of Sportsnet's coverage of Trade Deadline Day. You can follow Rory on Twitter, at Rory Boylan, myself, at Dixon on Sports. Justin. JT Born. JT Born. Check back next week after the deadline. Special uh, Monday edition that will drop Tuesday morning for Glass Rattling Hockey action right here on Tape to Tape. Mm-hmm.